On episode six of the San Diego podcast, about San Diego's Ken Kramer talks about his favorite piece of local lore, spells out the Beach Boys connection to America's finest city, and reveals why the Beatles couldn't even come close to selling out their Balboa Stadium show in 1965. All that and more is up next. Hello and welcome to the San Diego podcast. I am your host, Dustin Lutzbike, and with me in our studio today is none other than About San Diego's Ken Kramer. How are you doing, I'm friend? doing well, Dustin. Thank you for having me here. This is very exciting. It's, it's an honor having you on the show. Uh, I, along with many, many, many San Diegans, are very familiar with you. For the unfamiliar, uh, there are probably few people in San Diego with more knowledge about the city itself and our culture, the heritage, the character, than Ken Kramer. Uh, about San Diego first aired on KPBS in 1979, if I've done my research correctly. Yeah, actually, it started out as a radio program back in 1972. Wow. So it goes way back. I was a student, and we started putting together this program that kind of touched on different things in the community, what it was, what it was like, things you didn't know, little bits of trivia, yeah. things that made you slap your head and say, I didn't know that. And <laughs> I've just loved doing it ever since. That's amazing. It's amazing. And, and you know, it's... It, to me, it's a uh, it's a big deal having you on. Uh, you know, I feel like I've kind of grown up with you in a in a way, um, seeing you on TV and and hearing your voice. Um, you know, in my opinion, you're you're kind of you're kind of a maybe one of the few true San Diego celebrities to me. Well, <laughs> thank you very much. Don't uh, take a poll. I'm not sure that would be a widespread opinion. You know but what? No, I appreciate that. That's I told nice. I, I told my buddy that you were coming on our podcast, and he he it almost blew his mind. Really? He was like, "Oh my god, what are you gonna? I have so many questions I want to ask him. I have so many things I want to talk to him about." He's like, "I could talk to him for a whole day or whatever," and I was like. Well, you know, we've only got like an hour, you know, 30 minutes. So okay, we have to so condense it a little bit. Condense uh, it down. But I, I feel like everyone I talk to kind of has um, their own Ken Kramer story. Like they've met you somewhere or they ran into you and, and or they were out and about and they saw you somewhere or something like that. Are you like just constantly on the go or are you just roaming around San Diego all the time? Yeah, pretty much. I'm constantly on the go. I'm <laughs> roaming around San Diego, you know, the taverns and bars and places until at some point they say, really, you know, can <laughs> you, you need to you, leave? You need to kind of leave. <laughs> but no, you know, I'm pretty active and I'm around and, and I'm always looking for stories and people are always sharing them with me. So, yeah. you know, that's a really good source for me. Is that, I mean... Is that I, I wanted to ask you? Is that kind of how you uh, decide what goes on the show and what doesn't? Like uh, when, when people come to you when you're just hanging out and they go, "Hey, I've got a great story idea for you." Sometimes wow. I'd say like one time in three. In other words, I'd say one story out of three comes from a suggestion from a viewer. Okay. And the other two just kind of come from my curiosity. I'm walking along. I see a building. I see a street name. I see something in the sidewalk that just, what, what is that? How did that impression get there? Somebody knows the answer. And then I just have a lot of fun telling that story. That's amazing. I mean, what, I mean, what has kind of inspired that passion for you originally to, to delve so much into the history of San Diego. I was a little bit inspired by a guy named Ralph Story. When I was a kid growing up in Los Angeles, they had a show called The Big News mm. in color. And he would tell these human interest stories. Mm. And I just kind of noticed that everyone in my family and me too kind of leaned forward. That was something special. 
Yeah. That was the thing people talked about the next day. Did you see that little story? And it was because I think everybody kind of connected to it. Yeah. There was something, oh yeah, I've been to that place or I know that mountain and I've always been curious, why is it that way? Yeah. And I thought if I ever got the chance, I would try to do something like that. So he was an inspiration, always wanted to do that, no matter what I was doing, talk radio, news, yeah. whatever. This was my goal to do wow. about San Diego. Uh I thought it was interesting too. I was su surprised when I found out that you were one of the co-founders of KCR Radio at San Diego State. I was. I was a student at the time, and we felt that KPBS was a terrific station, but it didn't provide real practical broadcast experience for the students mm -hmm. in terms of you know getting on the air, mixing music, actually going out and doing sales, creating a, a station that they could participate at all levels in. So we started this. We started this. Carrier current, it was called. You know what carrier current is? No, I don't. Went through your electrical system. Hmm. Went through the power system in your, into your dormitory by some alchemy that I can't really explain. <laughs> but you tune it in, and we were there at 1610 on your radio. And we went on the air with this carrier current station that eventually went on uh, the internet and cable all around the world now. You can hear KCR radio. But the whole idea was to give real practical experience that the NPR station couldn't do. Mm. It, was, it was more oriented to kind of a professional operation. There was a lot of classical music at the time. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't a radio station that really gave students an opportunity to participate at all levels in sales and programming, in real hands-on being what they called at the time a disc jockey playing records, doing all those kinds of things that sent you on your way with the real how-to skills of broadcasting. So we started KCR Radio, Carrier Current Radio Station, which broadcast into the dormitories and eventually got a lot bigger and went worldwide on the internet. Mm. Was that, uh, was it, mo were you guys playing mostly music or was there different kinds of shows that were on that station at the time? No, we were playing music exclusively. And okay. back in those days, they were 45 RPM records. And we would yes. just, and the other thing I have to tell you honestly is that in the early going, no one was listening. <laughs> so we were, you know, it's like a beautiful sunny day. And I've got the shift on a lovely Saturday between noon and three. So I'd take an old microphone and run a bunch of cable out onto the lawn in front of the speech arts building and just sit out there and just talk whatever <laughs> came into my mind. And, you know, here comes a, a, a terrier or a, a German shepherd's come out. <laughs> microphone. Well, we're going to interview. We're going to interview that for a few minutes. Right. Like, no one was listening. And there's a story that I tell. Uh, Jerry Zulo and I were doing a, a show together in the new days of, of KCR. And we weren't sure whether anyone was listening. So we said, you know, if anyone will call us right now from the dormitories, we've got a phone right here. If anyone will call us, we've got an album for you. It's a, I don't know what it was, mm. some kind of an album. Yeah. But here it is. We will, here it is. Just call. No calls. <laughs> now. All right. We've got two albums and we will bring them to your dormitory room. <laughs> anyone please call. Right. No calls. Oh, man. So we get all the change we can get of our pocket. You know, we're throwing it on the countertop. We got like a dollar and 18 cents. All right. Jerry and I will bring to your dormitory the two records. And a dollar and eighteen cents. Just call now. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. And so then, Jerry says, "You hear that? That is a certified cashier's check, ladies and gentlemen, for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> We're going to bring it to your dormitory if you will just call right now." And then silence. Oh, no. So we were pretty sure. 
<laughs> Not a lot of people were listening. If in yeah. the early days, you know, of KCR yeah. radio, but eventually it did catch on. And, and now it's like the most respected, most honored um, college radio station in the country. Yeah. And I was really proud to be a part of that, even, cool. even though its beginnings were a bit rocky. Can you think of any um, maybe artists that you liked playing on the radio back then? Back then? Yeah. Well, I remember Jerry Zullo went on a rant and uh, decided he was going to do nothing but play Soothe Me With Your Love by Peaches and Herb until mm. someone came in and stopped him. <laughs> That went on for hours and hours. But I had kind of a bent toward folk music, traditional music. So I'd play a lot of Mississippi John Hurt. Oh, okay. And I'd play, you know, a lot of Doc Watson. And I'd wow, play a lot of right. stuff like that. Because that was sort of what I enjoyed. Okay. And obviously, there wasn't enough of a constituency to come after me with talons extended and say, we don't like that. <laughs> because, you know, we couldn't give away 10 grand right. live on the air. <laughs> So, you know, yeah. it was, that's just kind of the way that went. But um, that's the music I sort of gravitated toward. What, uh, what about now? Are you kind of listening to the same stuff? Are you, uh, is there, have you delved into kind of a different uh, area? Genre? I have to say, I really kind of still love that stuff. Yeah. I love, I love folk music of the Southern Appalachians and Texas and places. I just love the idea that a person can come in with an instrument, you know, an acoustic instrument, sit down, play it and sing a song and just do that. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's just wonderful. And I've always loved the simplicity of it, the elegance of a good story told, because that's really how people back in the day communicated things that happened to them. Right. The right. big, the big explosion down at the, down at the granary, yeah. the, uh, the, the accident involving Miss Lively and wife when the train crushed them at the crossing. Oh, how sad to think they never can come back. Mm -mm. For some reason that a therapist can best explain, <laughs> that is music that I've just always kind of loved. And and if and if you go to my house, you'll see just a bunch of albums, you know, 33 and a third albums mm -hmm. of on on the folk legacy label and rounder records and all of these kind of uh, folk labels that preserved that music back in the day. Yeah. I have those. And still, you know, play them every once in a while. So I am not surprised. Like considering that you're kind of like the de facto San Diego historian, that you have a collection of like historical folk music. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. That yeah, but I, I have to say at the same time, I'm not an historian as much as I feel like you are. Well, I, well, I've no, no. I, I mean, but I, I get that, and and I'm honored by that. But very often, people will come up and they'll say, now, now at the intersection of such and such a street in San Diego, was it the Bensons who lived there, or did they sell out to the Lockharts? And, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I know the stories that I've told. Yeah, and I love telling them. Yeah, but I, anyone who like rides with me in a car, they know I get lost. Right. So so, and they, and they're laughing at me. You know, in a full voice, like, why well, you, you don't know your way around San Diego as much as you might. This, you know, Mr. San that's Diego. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I, You've no, done no, so have, much that, I mean, of course, you're not going to remember everything. I mean, come on. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I mean, always say I don't have the mind that I used to, and I never did. <laughs> that's great. I'm going to use that. <laughs> you're welcome to it. Uh, my, my wife will appreciate that when I break it out. Um, you know, do you go to, where do you, 
have you gone record shopping lately at any time recently? I go down to Folk Arts. Folk Arts, okay. Yeah, I spend some time down there. And Lou Curtis, who passed away yeah. about a year or so ago now, and was just such an extraordinary force for preserving that music in San Diego. Yeah, uh, He had that shop at um, on Adams Avenue forever so long. Right. I think it's up on El Cajon Boulevard mm-hmm. now. And, and I still go in there, wander around, and walk away with an album. Yeah. You know, of yeah. Cliff Carlisle and Wilbur Ball. <laughs> You know, a friend will say to me, oh, so what'd you get? Oh, Cliff Carlisle and Wilbur Ball. Said, That's great. <laughs> That's Stay great. on your medicine, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you're not, so, so you're not like rocking the latest uh, Billie yeah. Eilish single or anything like that. Well, I'm aware of it, but, but not, but only because of the Grammys. Right, right. But, but you know, no, I, I, I guess I have always been a little bit of a nerd in that respect. I've always kind of just loved that special kind of music. And respect it all, but but that music has always just kind of resonated with me. When I was a yeah. kid, we used to do what they called broadcast band DXing. And when I say we, I mean me, because I could never get anyone else to do it. <laughs> and that just meant that you sat by your radio at night, and it was an AM radio, and you'd throw a long antenna out the window and see what kind of stations you could hear from far away. You'd tune in, and, and back in those days, radio wasn't so corporate. So you had all these different flavors and complexions of the town that you were listening to. Yeah. You'd hear the local weather forecast and the local musicians and the people who were kind of a part of varied formats. And I just loved that. It was very romantic to me. I pictured a far distant radio station with the tower and the blinking lights and the people and everything that was concerning to them in their town, yeah, you know, yeah. and to me to have that transported into my room by some magic was just a terrific, fun thing. Very romantic. That's very cool. You know, we do a, a, a short little segment on this podcast called the first four. And it's where I kind of ask four questions about uh the firsts in your life and i think this uh you were talking about your childhood here well right but i'm not going to speak of rita passage my first love <laughs> we'll keep it <laughs> it's music not, oriented it's not happening. It's not happening. Uh, okay okay what was your first musical artist that you really loved I think it was Mississippi John Hurt. Okay. I really think it was. I mean, I can remember the first record I bought, and you're just going to laugh. That is because my next question, actually. Let's oh. go on to that. What was the first record you ever bought? There will, there will be no laughter, please. <laughs> no laughter. You got it. No, no be, because, because remember, I'm really old. <laughs> but but it, I went to the Altadena record shop, and I purchased a 45 RPM recording of Perry Como. And Perry Como was singing a song called Hot Diggity. <laughs> And on the flip side, if I remember right, it was The Girl with the Golden Braids. Wow. So Perry Como was my first 40. And then, kind of gravitating to my second, was a white sport coat and a pink carnation sung by Marty Robbins. <laughs> I'm getting blank looks here. From the I'm, table, I'm, but, not, I'm not but, laughing. But, 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 no, that no, is, no. That is, that's amazing. But pretty quickly, you know, I was listening to the radio like we were describing and hearing country music and hearing these different kinds of fascinating sounds that seem to me to actually come from the farm yeah you know yeah i want my truck i want my you know i want, I want, I want my daddy and it sounded to me almost like like the 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 sounds that would be made on a farm right you right. know and that that somehow kind of inspired that music and there was a simplicity to it and a charm to it that i was just completely wrapped up in yeah. and to this day still am what about the first concert you ever went to 
You remember? Yeah, Neil Diamond at the sports arena. Neil Diamond at the sports arena. Yeah. Wow. Right. I th- I, I my my in laws were probably there. I, I, there's probably a lot of San Diegans were there <laughs> that were there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed to me that there were, and <laughs> and you know I thought that was fine and was very exciting. But after that, I really went more toward the smaller kind of get-togethers at where where somebody would be visiting that I was interested in from my folk music days, and I'd go to that yeah. and try to drag somebody to go with me, and they'd say, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Last question here. What was the first place, what's the first place that comes to mind when you think of San Diego music? I guess it's the belly up. That's pretty. Oh, that's a, yeah. That's a I mean, it's just kind of a classic answer. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's where a lot of local performers and a lot of, you know, people come Humphreys. Yeah. You know, yeah. Are we, then, are, we, are we ever going to catch you at the Casbah, for example? Have, have you ever been to the Casbah? I have seen it. Um, never been in. It's a rock and roll club. So, I mean, you know, oh, it's, it's a little, oh, it's, diff- the, it's a little it's, different. It's than, the music that those kids enjoy. <laughs> the kids these days enjoy that music. No, um, I, uh, I'll go in a heartbeat, you know, because I'm very susceptible to peer pressure. Can we, can we, um, can we suggest an about San Diego show on the Casbah? I mean, it's been around for, for 31 years. Now, now, see, that's starting to get into the area where I think that's pretty, you know, longevity for San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny, you know, pe- people will come in and say, we got to celebrate this building. If, if you're from anywhere else in the country, you got to celebrate this building. It's almost a hundred years old <laughs> and you know people from back east is what yeah you yeah. know what they're we, like that, well, that's, that's nothing <laughs> that's that's nothing that's new. no we got to put up a we got to put up a brass plaque right this goes back to 1920 <laughs> come on and it's true you know it's a fairly young city in that regard yeah is there um what would you say is uh, the most do you have a most memorable segment or story that you've covered for about san diego I did uh, the one that uh, that's that is interesting to me. I mean, there's so many. There's, they, yeah, there's fascinating. <laughs> but the one about um, what I'll call Haven's Caves was pretty interesting, mm. and a lot of folks are familiar with it. But there was a man living in um, Kensington on East Talmadge Drive, and in the 1940s, he just got completely carried away with the idea of digging in his backyard. And so before he, I guess he was, he said that he was digging at a barbecue pit and just got carried away. But by the time he was done, he had carried out 100,000 tons of dirt. <laughs> he had, he had many, many feet of tunnels and you had to go down 60 feet before you ever got to the tunnels. Wow. Nine gigantic rooms seven actually and then two that i believe are no more um large enough larger than the studio we're in ping pong tables and and slides going from one room to the other and and he had not let anyone down there when i approached him i had heard that it was there and i went around from place to place in the neighborhood kind of like a hound (laughs) circling in on what i knew was the place or, or where i suspected it was it came down to just a couple of houses and then finally <laughs> yeah, can and, and he said, "Oh, you know, come yeah, on in, <laughs> come on in." He says, "I love your show. I wouldn't do this, but I love your show, and you got to make me a promise that if I show you down there, you will not show mm, the front of my house or my street address. I do not want people coming mm-hmm. here." And so I said, "Okay, okay, it's a deal." 
We come back with a camera crew. Next to the refrigerator is a piece of plywood, and he pushes the plywood off to the side. And we go down 60 feet and go off with lights. And it was the most amazing thing. And to this day, that, I think, was the most sort of fun, random. And there was some history to it. You know, with the original owner, he's no longer the owner, the original owner in Kensington invented the fiberglass fly rod and some kind of a technique for reverse osmosis. So he was wealthy as Midas and, and could, and, and just had this obsession. And I said to the current owner, I said, you know, is this geologically okay? He said, yep, they've checked it out. It's fine. We just have this curiosity underneath our house. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. Maybe I'll store wine down there or or something, (laughs) but it's huge. And it's, and it's, created in a very interesting way so that it kind of circles around circles around all underneath his property so he's not going off into anyone else's property and it is just crazy that was fun how does he how does someone how can you even do that like i mean just the the sheer mechanics of digging up all that dirt he hired kids He hired kids and paid them them a penny a bucket to carry the stuff out of there, the dirt out of there. And kids, and after that story aired, I heard from so many kids who said, yeah, I knew knew Mr. Havens, and uh, I was a part of carrying that stuff out. And, you know, and and it it became such a, a fascination that Collier's Magazine, which was a magazine at the time, did a story about it. There was a wedding down there. It was just all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff. Wow. And it's and it's down there even yet, though I will say we went down there and his son was with us and the, the current owner's son. And I said, is this place safe? And he kind of reached up and he scratched the top of it and some dirt came down and he said, yeah, yeah, it's safe. <laughs> I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more confidence, a little please. More, a little more confidence. I think our batteries are getting low. We're heading for the exits. No, it was fascinating and fun. And and, wow. I, and I guess when people ask me that question, I think that must have been it. That's it. That, you know, that must wow. have been the one. Ken, I know that uh, I probably shouldn't bother doing this because you know a lot more about probably everything than I do. But I'm going to pick your brain I here for a minute. I don't know whether this is true. Uh I feel like you should be asking me trivia questions because, I, uh, no, I don't uh, you know, know, if I'm, you know, this could, this could be that moment like when, you know, Dorothy comes to the Wizard of Oz and pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Hey, 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 hey you know, this no, could, this could be no, a revealing moment. No, it will not I be. Not, I'm sure of I it. Do not know everything about San Diego, just the stories <laughs> okay. I've done. But let's well, try. Fair enough. Okay, uh, fair uh, next up, A or B side, the San Diego podcast trivia game. You know, normally we call this segment A or B side because there's a, we ask you a question, we give you two answers, oh, okay. possible answers. All right. Um, but in homage uh, to About San Diego, we're going to call it About San Diego. You know, we're just going to, we're going to, that's what we're going to call it this week. Um, I kind of theme this, our, our trivia games uh, with a certain theme in mind. Uh, every week it's different. And this week, of course, is going to be about San Diego music history. Oh dear! Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, all right. No, let's. I'm. Ex- let's go. I'm. I'm, I'm ex- ready to go. Are I'm you ready excited. To go? This could be very humiliating for me. <laughs> I hope I have enough capital in the community to survive. But let's give it a shot. You'll be okay. I promise you. I promise, you promise me. Okay. okay. Uh, number one. The first question. In 1966, 
a chart-topping pop band took a trip to the San Diego Zoo to take photos for what would become the artwork for which album? A. Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys or B. The Best of the Animals by the Animals A. You are correct! Ding! Uh, Mike Love from the band, um, who does his own Beach Boys thing now, uh, said that the working title for the album was actually Our Freaky Friends, and the animals <laughs> were supposed to represent the group's freaky friends, uh, which I thought was just so weird. But that story about how they they decided to shoot their, their cover album uh, mm-hmm. artwork at the zoo, uh, that just goes down to San Diego lore. Like it does. Just, and you know, didn't they kind of change that physical location recently so that you oh, can't exactly sure. go to that spot oh, any longer? Oh, okay. I, I did not know again, that. I could be wrong about that. See, this is what I'm talking about. You, you're going to ace this quiz, I'm sure. Um, okay, you're one for one. You're perfect so far. I expected nothing less. Mm. Question number two. <clears throat> Also in 1966, Ken, you may remember that a band from right here in San Diego released an epic, insanely long song that became a national hit and earned them the reputation as the first heavy metal band. Was it A, Iron Butterfly, or B, The Mothers of Invention? Jeopardy music. <laughs> Mothers of Invention. Oh, Ken. I'm sorry. That's, not, that's not right. Well, see, it's Iron Butterfly. But you know what? To be fair, I was almost. You right. were almost right. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, heavy metal is not your thing. I get it. It's not, you know, I, I, sh- I, sh- I should have known, you know, like, I, I don't want to throw you curveballs on the trivia game. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I want you to be able to answer them (laughs) yeah i mean but anyway no i think that's what makes it challenging the the mothers of invention was uh, frank zappa's first band and they uh he was also local now that makes sense it was a little i mean it's kind of tricky like if you knew that frank zappa was a local and iron butterfly was from san diego uh in a god people people are listening to this now and say kramer you donkey No, no How can one you is saying not that. Know that. No one is thinking that. All right. uh, the name of the song "Inagata Davida," uh, of course, is uh, is what it is. And the album version is like seventeen minutes long or something. Many has, a like, disc jockey has yeah. taken advantage of that yes. break too. <laughs> For bathroom breaks. For a and bathroom whatnot. break. That's right. Uh, so okay, all right. So we're one for two. Mm. You could you could you could win this game on the next question, and okay. I think I think you might get this. Oh dear. All right. In 1965, the Beatles came to San Diego. They played Balboa Stadium, which was torn down in the 70s and rebuilt as a much smaller venue for sporting events and used by San Diego High School. Uh, Fun fact, my mom was at the show. Hey! Very interesting, cool little tidbit. There were, of course, thousands of screaming fans at that show. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. it surprisingly did not sell out. About how many unsold tickets were there to that show? A, 1,000 tickets, or B, 10,000 tickets? 10,000 tickets. Oh, man. And it was on August the 28th of 1965. Wow. And there was, uh, the, the thought was that that was kind of a late ad. You know, to the to the was concert. Oh, interesting. There was also some conversation that there was competition between the two big rock stations in San Diego at the time, KGB and KCBQ, and that somehow maybe 
ticket distribution was a little weird around that. Mm. But um, that was a big moment in San Diego history. The police were like concerned that there could be, you know, who are these long haired people (laughs) coming to town and will there be disruptions? And I talked to a guy named Lee Lewis, who was a photographer, not allowed to take um, film Mm. during the concert, but he was there and, you know, took a little film at the concert. Yeah. <laughs> That's how news, right. news reporters are. <laughs> Those scoundrels. And he told me that there was such a frenzy, even though it wasn't sold out. You're right. It, and tickets sold for $350. Um, $3.50. $3.50. <laughs> not not $350, the, the ticket for there, the Rolling Stones. I there think. was such a frenzy <laughs> that after the concert, he said, and he saw with his own eyes, girls ran down onto the grass field and began eating the grass. <laughs> oh, my God. There, there was that much of a frenzy, but but oh, uh, oh yeah, what? it was it was Frank Curran, who was the mayor at the time, presented them with the key to the city. Uh, they were paid twenty five thousand dollars flat for the concert, and then a percentage of the gate, the gross receipts. Mm-hmm. So it was, and they and they came down interestingly from L.A. on a bus. Really? Yeah, because there was an airline strike at the time. So they came on down to San Diego on a bus and they played at Balboa Stadium. And um, it was, you know, for people who was there, who were there, it was uh, unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I heard that... um, because there were, I think the, the, I'm not exactly sure on the attendance of Balboa Stadium back in that time, but um, it was like 30,000, somewhere 35, around there. Yeah, 30, 30, 35. Yeah. And, um, and so with 10,000 tickets unsold, that's like half, I mean, that's, that's like a third of the stadium at least. And so like, um, I heard that because of their, whatever contract they had, um, you know, they were guaranteed that amount. And then um, the percentage came out to $135 extra that they got from the tickets sold because they didn't sell it out. And uh, and to me, uh, you know, that just blows my mind that, that the Beatles could come to town and it wouldn't sell out. And know? the only thing that I've been able to determine as to why that happened is that it happened sort of late. It was a late ad. Yeah, yeah. And so the two stations were kind of scrambling. Yeah. Who's got the tickets? How are we going to get these distributed? And there just weren't as many people there as there might otherwise have been with a little more notice yeah. because they were selling out, obviously, everywhere else yeah Yeah. i mean and there was obviously no social media at the time so like how Mm -hmm. do you you have to spread the word the old-fashioned way you know and and uh i can imagine if it was a late ad then that would explain it but you know it maybe that started the uh the old uh san diego issue of not selling out shows in town you know <laughs> like maybe yeah, i'm sure it didn't it didn't help it didn't help our reputation right <laughs> you can't sell out the beatles yeah that's kind of a problem <laughs> well you did you got two out of three right that's a winning percentage thank you very much well, yeah i didn't well I, I messed well up done. the frank zappa one i i okay. i knew i knew you'd do well i mean frank zappa iron butterfly i mean come on yeah, you know, nobody's gonna know that. <laughs> nobody's gonna know that. <laughs> yeah, nobody who's celebrating Doc Watson and Mississippi Joe heard as their first buys are gonna. And Perry Como. Uh, well, well uh, Ken, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, on I had fun. Today. Thank you for. I'm very honored that you'd have me. Uh, to all our listeners, Ken Kramer's about San Diego airs on KPBS. Every Thursday at 8 p.m. Absolutely right. Uh, you'll learn something new with every single show. I guarantee it. And you know what they say? Learning is half the battle. So there you go. You're winning already. 
Is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Oh, well, just this. I, I, I think it's really important that we do have a sense of who we are. So many people come to San Diego and they're, they, and this happens all the time. I'll ask folks, who are you rooting for? You know, you're going down to the, to the Padre game. Who are you rooting for? Well, I'm rooting for Pittsburgh. Well, so why are you rooting for Pittsburgh? How long have you been here in San Diego? Right. I'll say 25 years. Well, <laughs> at what point, you know, do you become part of San Diego? Yeah. And I find there's a tendency to think of, of, of for a lot of San Diegans to think in terms of where they came from and not fully invest in this place. Correct. Yeah. And, and I'd like to think without being too grandiose that about San Diego gives us a sense of place, makes us proud about who we are yeah. and helps develop those kinds of roots and, and community spirit and everything that, that makes us feel that this place is special, that this place is our home. This is the place we want to embrace because we just think that we're, only here for a while and that our heart is really someplace else. We're going back there or it'll never be as good as the place we came from. Then we don't care about legislation that's that's pending that affects us. We don't care about land use decisions that the city council are making. We don't care about litter laws. We don't care about those things because this really isn't our place. Yeah. I want San Diego to be our place, right. our home, the place we care about. And to the extent that the show does that, it makes me happy. It does. And we are better for it. Visit SanDiego.com for bonus notes on this episode. There's some good extra tidbits in there for you, so check them out. And if you know of any other music fans that might dig our podcast, do us a favor and share it with them if you're so inclined. Some of our upcoming guests include Soda Bar's Corey Steer, NBC7's Catherine Garcia, acclaimed rapper Choosy, Pizza Port's Jill Olesh, and Switchfoot's Drew Shirley. So tune in for those. As always... Catch San Diego TV on Saturday nights, where we throw in all the visuals missing from this podcast. And since the quarantine has us hunkering down still, we don't have any shows to promote by this week's spotlight artist. But if you like what you hear, do them a favor and look them up. On that note, to play us out, I leave you with I'm Alive by Gregory Page, a song off his latest album, A Wild Rose. Head over to his website, gregorypage.com, for news, videos, and all that other good stuff. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the music. There's a feeling inside.